It's in the books. 2021 NFL draft, we know. A lot of excitement for these young players, but I mean, I think that the right thing to do right now is take a moment of silence for some of the brave soldiers that we've lost, um, you know, people that no longer have any relevance in fantasy football. Oh. Andy Dalton, Cam Newton, Jimmy Garoppolo, Benny Snell, Jeff Wilson Jr., Mike Boone, Auden Tate, Lynn Bowden, Josh Reynolds, maybe, Travis Fulgham, Miles Boykin, Christian Kirk, my boy Van Jefferson, Alan Lazard, Richard Higgins, Hayden Hurst, XFL legend, Donald Parham, potentially the most painful, heartbreaking loss of all, Darius Slayton, aka Godius. Moment of silence. to our fallen fantasy football soldiers um you just got to think of the good moments that that we had with these players that isn't that how you're supposed to do it yeah i mean well what's how's the saying go like some about <laughs> i forgot the saying something saying? about uh you know enjoy enjoy the memories you had or, or something like that i don't know yeah i've never heard that saying before but um <laughs> <laughs> what's going on everybody welcome to episode 139 of the dfs dose podcast your fix of daily fantasy sports information strategy and analysis i'm your host ben hover joined as i always am by joey carrion and on today's show we're going to be doing part one of our recap of the 2021 NFL draft, looking at some of the landing spots for all of these rookies and the fantasy implications of where they went in the NFL draft. These are guys that we've been taking speculative shots on for the past few months in best ball. Finally, Joey, we know where they are going. On today's episode, we're going to be covering the quarterbacks and running backs. On the following episode, we'll be talking about the wide receivers and tight ends. Lengthy conversations, but worth having. If you guys like what you hear today, make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. And if you want to support the show, make sure you head over to the YouTube channel at the DFS Dose and subscribe there where we do live streams every week and we'll have several more draft-related pieces of content coming this week. Joey, let's dive right in. And I think we should go position by position and start with quarterbacks, five of which went in the first round. No surprises there. Yep, no surprises. We had Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Mac Jones all drafted within the top 15. Obviously, we already knew Trevor was going to Jacksonville, and we basically knew Zach Wilson was going to New York, but the other three guys, we did not know where they were going to go. Trey Lance ends up getting drafted at number three overall by the Niners. Justin Fields goes to Chicago at number 11, and then Mac Jones goes the face of your franchise, uh, baby. Goes to goes to my Patriots at pick 15. You know, just in terms of the pick, I mean, I, I I know that they had to take him there, and it made sense. Obviously, you can't go with Cam Newton as your starter for the long term. Mac Jones was obviously the the only quarterback left, so I get why they picked him and. 
Everybody thought it was a solid pick. I just think that in the NFL in 2021 and beyond, you need an athletic quarterback, one that can help in the run game and put defenses on their toes. And Mac Jones is not that guy. It's not a high upside pick. But back to uh, just the fantasy relevance of all the quarterbacks, which this podcast is about. Trevor, obviously, I don't think his ADP will rise or fall. He, he's been getting drafted in like the 10th or 11th round in best ball. I think that's probably where we will see his ADP plateau at. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields, I think we will see their ADPs rise. Uh, maybe not so much Zach Wilson, but he's been going in what, like the 17th round in best 17th, ball? 17th, 18th. I could definitely see that uh coming up a couple of rounds. Justin Fields should be the starter over Andy Dalton. I know that the Bears came out and said that Andy Dalton is the starter and Justin Fields is the backup and they kind of want to approach it as like an Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes type of ordeal, but Justin Fields is way better than let's 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 just pause on that isn't that one of like one of the worst things that you would want to happen like hey let's burn a year of our you know potentially yeah. star quarterbacks you know cheap rookie deal having him play behind Andy Dalton because Andy Dalton you know gives us an Alex Smith level of consistency <laughs> like I mean bro, it's so what, what are we no. what are we doing <laughs> I like I promise you I believe that some fantasy analysts could be better GMs than some of the GMs <laughs> in the NFL. 100%. Like I get the whole like you want your rookie quarterback to learn behind a veteran, you know, study the game, follow their habits and ultimately become just a better player, a better competitor or whatnot. But at the end of the day, if you have a situation like Andy Dolan and Justin Fields, and you know that Justin Fields right now gives you the best chance to win, I don't know why he's not your day one starter. Maybe it's because they signed Andy Dolan to a $10 million contract. And then they also have a bum ass Nick Foles on the roster as well, who I think is making a decent salary in 2021 as well. I don't know. The Bears are donkeys, obviously, but I don't think they were donkeys for trading up. It was a great trade up to go and get their potential franchise quarterback in Justin Fields. If he starts Absolutely. 17 games, I mean, his uh, ADP of the 15th round looks like a complete bargain right now and Allen Robinson gets probably the best quarterback he's ever had Darnell Mooney to the moon if they keep Anthony Miller I would take a shot on him as well so kind of high on fields think he's a starter Trey Lance same situation like do you want Trey Lance to sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo and you know learn from Jimmy G and and not play as the third overall pick after you traded two first for him probably not I think he's the day one starter, and we know that he has elite upside as a runner as well as a passer, although he may be raw. It may take some time for him to become a complete quarterback in the NFL, but I think you have to play him right away if you're San Francisco. I mean, you have to. I mean, the only thing he needs to learn from Jimmy G is, you know, how to use his newfound fame and success to uh, to day porn transition stars. that into the, in, yeah, basically to get the dating game uh, <laughs> a level up. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, Lance though, third overall pick, and he goes into a pretty amazing situation with Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle there, a significantly good coaching staff. I mean, Lance with the mobility and the upside I think has a lot of potential as a late round fantasy pick this year and a guy that you take a shot on in some of these stacks for best ball. I agree 100%. I mean, so many stackable options um, with Trey Lance, obviously George Kittle, great tight end. Then you have Ayuk, 
Debo Samuel. The sky is the limit for Trey Lance. His ADP is in the 17th slash 18th round right now. I should say before the draft happened. I think that jumps up at least four rounds, maybe Mm -hmm. five, because I think people will be in the same line of thinking as me with saying that Trey Lance is is the starter day one, not Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I know that both you and I believe that Jimmy Garoppolo won't even be on the roster come September. So I'm willing to uh, bet on Trey Lance. I'm willing to bet on Justin Fields being day one starters. I would still take Trevor Lawrence above him. Honestly, nothing really needs to be said. He's going into a good situation with some good talent around him and a good head coach. Well, hopefully a good head coach. He kind of made some uh, head scratching decisions in the draft. Yeah. But I think Trevor's a clear cut one. Then my two would be Trey Lance. My three would be Justin Fields. Zach Wilson would be four. Mac Jones. I mean, like, I mean, we could talk about Mac Jones because we we got some time on this podcast. But yeah, let's do it. But but just but just real quick, I just wanted to say I I have the same exact list as you. Just just yeah. want to throw that out. And in terms of 2021 fantasy yeah. production, I'm not talking long term for Dynasty because in Dynasty I would probably have Fields too. Yeah. Oh know, yeah. All seriousness, yes. but. This this year, I do think that the chances of Lance being a week one starter are basically 100%, and I don't know if I believe that with Fields. So I think that Trevor and Lance, one and two, Fields, three, you know, slight tier drop in terms of upside, but Wilson could be safer than Fields at four. And then, yeah, let's talk about yeah. Mac Jones. Um, Do you think that he's going to be the week one starter for New England? My gut says no. Think they're going to give Cam a, a second shot? Yeah, because Cam... I don't think he was terrible last year. And I know a lot of Patriots fans don't even want Cam on the team from what I've seen on Twitter. I, I'm not one of those fans. I think that Cam still has some upside, especially on the ground. If we're strictly talking about fantasy football, that will be more valuable than Mac Jones. But if we're talking real life, I think right now Cam Newton is the starter. I think Bill Belichick wasn't lying when he said that because he did come out and say that that Cam is the starter and Mac Jones is going to sit behind him. But I think the leash is very short. If Cam Newton continues to throw balls into the dirt and loses a couple games to start the 2021 season, then I think we could see a transition to Mac Jones. Out of these five quarterbacks, I think Mac Jones is probably the guy that is not a starter day one and probably will see the least amount of games in 2021 for those reasons i'm staying away from him in fantasy football but even if he was a day one starter and played 17 games i mean he has no quarterback one upside if we're talking about just top 12 quarterbacks he might push top 20 in terms of fantasy especially with the options that the patriots have in the in the passing game especially the receiving core it's pretty disgusting to be honest love the tight ends don't like the wide receivers at all that much so even if he's a day one not targeting him but cam newton as a starter i think he has value in fantasy obviously because of his rushing upside yeah that all makes sense to me i mean mac jones to even give him like quarterback two upside this year seems a little generous to me i mean yeah he's definitely a guy that i'm probably gonna have very little to no shares of maybe maybe in formats like underdog best ball where you know the end of the year those games mean more and you know from a gpp perspective he'll probably be low owned and you know maybe he takes over at the end so i i could see it in that format but like 
this drafters tournament that we've been promoting for weeks and, and doing live streams of like, I wouldn't take him there in a total points format. Like absolutely not. No, not at all. He has no upside in just with Zach Wilson. Obviously he's going to be the 17 game starter, but there's questions about if he's actually a good quarterback or not and the Jets I I think are still weak in some areas but they did kind of do a lot to address that in the draft they drafted a wide receiver which we'll talk about the draft they drafted a running back which we'll talk about and they also drafted some offensive linemen so yep traded up to get an offensive lineman in the first that a lot of people are really high on yep so uh, I think Zach Wilson is set up to succeed, but the jury is still out on whether he's actually a good quarterback. You know, some people that I've listened to have said that they would have taken him in the second round, not as mm-hmm. the second overall pick. We'll see on Zach Wilson, but I-, I think the Jets did a pretty solid job of getting him pieces to succeed coming into his rookie season, unlike what they did with Sam Darnold. So kind kind of feel bad for Sam, but he gets... He gets his chance in Carolina with an elite offense over there too. So yeah, a- absolutely, and we'll talk about that a little bit later too. Um, you know, Wilson to me, he set up well, right? Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, right at the top of the second. So I mean, they've got weapons. You know, Jamison Crowder, the, the forgotten man, Chris Herndon, um, Chris Herndon, Tevin Coleman. This off season, they added a running back in the fourth round, Michael Carter. So you know, there's definitely potential for this Jets offense to be better than it's been in recent years. The last quarterback that we that we really need to hit on is, you know, a deep sleeper type, but a guy who realistically could see some starting time this year is a man by the name of Davis Mills, who the Houston Texans took in the third round. Third round pick for Davis Mills, uh, quarterback out of Stanford. Obviously, he's kind of like a long shot. He's probably not going to be drafted in any best ball tournament, and you know you probably shouldn't draft him. But just in terms of redraft, I know it's early. It's May 1st, and so we got four months until redraft season starts. He's going to be a quarterback that you want to monitor. He's basically going to be in a quarterback battle with Tyrod Taylor. What do you what do you think about his chances to, uh, to win that battle? I mean, Tyrod's going to put up a fight, no? I mean... Yeah, Tyrod will put up a fight, but Tyrod sucks. So give me give me Davis Mills to win that battle. And I think Davis Mills will be the starter in week one for Houston. Bold prediction right there. Wow. But I, I think there's a realistic possibility that it could happen. The, this is a guy that's probably not going to be fantasy relevant. But the Houston Texans project to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, which means that they are going to be losing a lot And when you're losing, you pass more than other teams. And that will basically give Davis Mills or whoever the Houston Texans starting quarterback is plenty of garbage time opportunity and garbage time fantasy points count the same as non-garbage time fantasy points. Davis Mills, I think, has a very, very good chance to be the week one starter. Um, Is he the long-term option in Houston? Probably not, but it goes without saying that Deshaun Watson probably won't be a Houston Texan ever again. That report came out a couple days ago, and I I kind of believe that. I think he'll play in the NFL. I don't think he'll play for Houston, though. And Davis Mills, I mean, just talking about the, the type of player he is, I mean, he's a big quarterback that has an above average arm for the NFL. He's kind of accurate. He just has injury concerns, didn't play all that much in college, and he uh, did have some turnovers as well in his games that he started. He threw eight picks uh, to 18 touchdowns, so I don't know. I don't know. Davis Mills, 
I think he could start more games than Mac Jones in 2021. That That's a bold take. I mean, hopefully Tyrod doesn't get his lung punctured by any Houston, uh, you know, staff this year. I mean, teams so, love Tyrod, though. That's the they thing. They do. I mean, they love him. I mean, but, Tyrod's also been succeeded by several star players. You know, he leaves Buffalo. They get Josh Allen. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield comes in for him when he's with Cleveland. Justin Herbert comes in for him with the Chargers. I don't know. Maybe Davis Mills is the next in a long line of, you know, potentially star quarterbacks. So what you're saying is Tyrod Taylor is the like the star quarterback magnet pretty much. Mm. Essentially, so, he's what the Bears want Andy Dalton to be. You know, he's like yeah. the perfect stepping stone to unleash the true talent that's <laughs> waiting in the talk. To unleash the true talent of uh, Davis Mills of Stanford. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, honestly. All right, look, before we move on to running backs, and there's definitely some interesting running backs and landing spots, let's talk about one more quarterback, not a rookie, but a quarterback nonetheless, Aaron Rodgers. Now, this was one of the more surprising kind of out of nowhere stories of draft weekend. It dropped like draft day morning on Thursday, uh, right before the first round. And it was that Aaron Rodgers is having significant issues with the Packers. He doesn't want to return there. Over the past couple of days, the story has developed into a situation where it's clear that he has beef with uh, Brian Goodkunst, uh, the the GM of the Packers. His beef isn't necessarily with Matt LaFleur. And Matt LaFleur had a press conference where he spoke saying that, you know, I can't even put my mind to a place where Rodgers doesn't return to us. Um, you know, he wants Rodgers to stay. He wants to work things out. But it seems like things might be irreparable at this time. This drama sort of came out of nowhere. What are your thoughts on it? I, I feel like Aaron Rodgers has done this before, like last year. Didn't he have some tension with the Packers front office because they drafted Jordan Love and whatnot and kind of threatened to not play but ended up playing the whole season and winning MVP. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I believe Aaron Rodgers too much. I mean, this is a guy that is not even liked by his family. That's fair. Maybe, But he's he's liked by middle America. Joey, I don't know if you caught any of the the Jeopardy stuff. I mean, I'm not a big Jeopardy guy, but, you know, people seem to like him. And, you know, he was, was, you know, funny, I guess. He, there were some jokes, like some of the people were roasting him about, you know, the Packers playoff loss. That that was pretty funny. Ian Rappaport reported that he could, (laughs) he could become the Jeopardy full-time host and just leave the NFL for that job. Which I mean, that seems like smoke, you know, coming from an agent, if you ask me. But I mean, that's kind yeah. of funny that that's a possibility. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think that will happen. But it, it's either he plays or retires, right? I, I think that's probably the only two options because the Packers front office seems intent on not trading him. If they believed Rodgers, they most likely would have traded him on Thursday. No, they would have got a first and more. Probably a top 10 pick plus a couple other first round picks in future years. So I think at this point, you can't really trade him. It's just all about kind of repairing the relationship at this point. They probably need to go to counseling. So that Mm -hmm. might be in the plans for the Packers in the future. Little therapy. Yeah, they they definitely need it. But I don't know. I feel like he either has to play or he retires because if he sits out, he still has, what, three years on his deal. So he'd have to wait three seasons to sign to a new team and he'd be close to 40 at that point so Mm -hmm. definitely a sticky situation to watch because if he does end up not playing for the Packers I mean god all of the Packers skill position players takes a hit for fantasy football I think uh, especially Devontae Adams so definitely something to watch I I don't don't know though I, I I just feel like he plays 
if I if I had to pick one or the other, I, I think he plays for the Packers in 2021. Aaron Rodgers just rubs me the wrong way. I don't know if it's because I'm a bitter Lions fan and I've watched him shit on my favorite team for like 10 years now, but I don't know, man. I just, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. You saw him dressed up at the Kentucky Derby looking like, I don't even know what he looked like, man. Just gambling on the horses, hair slicked back, looking absolutely crazy. And he made a comment to the reporters that I'm sorry that this came out like, bro, your agent leaked it. Like you're not sorry. You're not sorry that this story came out. You're the one who's putting it out. The Packers aren't putting it out. Like, I don't know, man, everything about him. I, I'm just not, not a big fan, but there's, there's no denying what he does on the field. And I think that just because draft weekend's over, you know, someone could still pay the right price to get him. I mean, they obviously have a plan with Jordan love. Um, maybe he didn't show them what they wanted to see last year in practice. So, so that's probably giving them pause. But if someone sends the right offer. The Broncos, we heard, were close to a deal, although you know that appeared to not be true since they didn't make that move and went with Sertain in the first. I, I don't know, man. I think that it's possible Rodgers moves, though. He's got to be looking at Tom Brady and you know watching a team do everything they can to support you know, an old veteran quarterback with elite offense, and then he watches his own team you know draft his replacement just a year ago. So I don't know. I, I understand why he's bitter with the organization. Yeah, I mean, if I was Rodgers, I would have been out of the Packers Facts. organization. Like, I would have never signed any of the extensions that he signed, or the most recent one, I should say. I don't know exactly when that was, but, I mean, the Packers have done nothing to help support him at all. They're kind of just like, oh, we'll go and get these guys. If they work out, you know, they work out, you're great. You'll probably make it work. If not, oh, well, try and make it work. Um that's that's why we pay you the big bucks, right? I don't know. You're either playing for the Packers or you're not playing at all. Unless a blockbuster trade happens, which, I mean, I would be kind of shocked, to be honest. Yeah, it seems like this weekend would have been the time to do that, right? And, but, you know, I don't know. Crazy things happen in the NFL all the time, so we'll have to keep an eye on how this story progresses. I wish I had taken a couple uh, shots on Jordan Love in the 20th round in, in that drafters tournament before it closed, but... <laughs> we'll see how it goes. All right, let's move on to running back. Now, a little interesting tidbit here. Only four running backs went in the first three rounds, and that's the fewest over the past five years. And I guess that that kind of correlates to what we had heard coming into this draft, that this is one of the weaker draft classes. And it appears that NFL teams agreed in their valuation and where they took these guys. However, there still were two running backs to go in the first round, um, you know, the over under, which we talked about thinking that over 0.5, you know, essentially one running back being drafted was a good bet. And we got two. So, I mean, that was a clear cut dub. I mean, not to toot our own horns, but I mean, we, we had dubs all over the board, by the way. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even mention the Trevor Lawrence hugging his wife thing. Yeah, that's that's a Come fact. On, and his wife's dress was black, plus 475. Yep, which we both agreed was the wave. God, I mean, I hope I hope some people laid money after the last podcast, the last two podcasts, <laughs> I should say. Um, but, but anyways, going back to these running backs, two guys in the first round, Najee Harris, 24, uh, 24th overall pick goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and surprisingly, painfully, Travis Etienne goes with the very next pick to Jacksonville. I don't know, Joey. Let, let's start with ETN. You know, how how bad am I looking with my James Robinson <laughs> shares? What what role do you think ETN has and why did the Jags make this pick? I, I think the the saying is bad organizations make bad decisions. Mm -hmm. Picking Travis ETN in the first round is just egregious. You have so many holes on your roster to fill. You have a undrafted gem 
free agent running back from last year in James Robinson. Now, I know it was part of the old regime, if you want to call it that, the old coach, Urban Meyer, obviously new guy in, wants his players, but it makes absolutely no sense. Just absolutely egregious. I mean, drafting a running back in like the first three rounds is, is terrible anyways from a real-life <laughs> perspective, but that's kind of another uh, debate for another <laughs> for another day. Uh, just looking at the fantasy value, I mean, it's, it's kind of like RIP James Robinson, and he could have been included in the moment of silence. Nah, um, nah, nah. Come on, bro. Nah. James- See, nah, nah, nah. <sighs> let, 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 me, let me finish. I said he could have been included, could have been, but I still think James Robinson in 2021 has a role with the Jaguars. The way that Urban Meyer put it made the pick seem just more terrible than how I just said it by saying that ETN is their third down back and James Robinson and Carlos Hyde are the one and two down grinders. Like, why are you drafting a a third down back at pick 25? Obviously, we know that's not true. ETN will probably be the starter, but I think James Robinson will cut into his snaps a good bit. What I could see happening is a like a 60-40% split with James Robinson getting the 40%, ETN getting the 60%. But ETN will obviously get the third down passing snaps. He'll probably be the guy that gets all of the dump-offs for Jacksonville. And we know that in PPR, uh, receptions at the running back position are more valuable than attempts. ETN and James Robinson, I think ETN is more valuable at this point, so RIP James Robinson. But James Robinson should still be a little valuable. I, I mean, I, I'm really excited to see what James Robinson ADP becomes. I, it's definitely tough because if you've been watching our streams, you know that James Robinson was a guy that I was hammering, you know, every chance I had in the third round, especially early on. I, I couldn't believe that this was the move that the Jags made. You know, I get it. Like, he's a good player, but I I don't know, man. I mean, is there any chance that this scenario plays out like, say, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, where everybody overvalues the first round draft capital of the new guy, the explosive guy coming in. But James Robinson, you know, the man who put it on the field last year, this this guy was arguably the second best running back in an absolutely loaded class last year, right behind Jonathan Taylor or equal to Jonathan Taylor, more consistent than Jonathan Taylor throughout the year, 100%. You know, I don't know. James Robinson is that dude, if you ask me. So I think that if his ADP falls far enough, he could be the value between the two of these guys. I definitely agree with that take. So as it stands right now, James Robinson is getting drafted in the third round and ETN was getting drafted in the fourth round. So I could see ETN bumping up to the third round. I think the fourth round is probably ETN's sweet spot, but James Robinson ADP is going to fall six yeah, rounds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he'll be what, a, a ninth, yeah. tenth round pick maybe? Yes, maybe because even a little bit lower? Traditionally happens every single year people overvalue rookies obviously there are some rookies that are going to come in and be good but the entire overarching theme of this draft class including non-fantasy relevant rookies is that this was one of the worst draft classes in the last 10 years just in terms of talent so specifically with this class and not so much etn but some of the other guys that we're going to talk about and just the positions in general All of these rookies are going to get overvalued a ton Mm -hmm. just because they're the new shiny toys that everybody wants to draft. And, you know, they think that just because a team drafted a guy in the third round or fourth round or whatever, that they're just going to come in and automatically start over the guys that have 
been with their teams for however long and have produced in the NFL, that's when you fade the rookies, okay? And I think Travis Etienne could potentially be a fade depending on how high his ADP gets. If he starts to go in the second round, no shot, absolutely no shot. Yeah, definitely not. Because we're James mm-hmm. Robinson believers. James Robinson is going to have a sizable role in that Jacksonville offense. Enough of a role to hurt Travis Etienne's value as a fantasy asset for 2021. Now for Dynasty, I think Etienne would be probably my RB2. I mean, my RB1 is a guy not named Najee Harris. Mm. For Dynasty, for Dynasty specifically. But for Redraft, Travis Etienne is my RB3. Interesting. Well, let's talk about Najee Harris, who's the first running back taken in this draft. I mean, this this one was kind of obvious. Everybody had been mocking him to Pittsburgh. That's where he goes. Fills an obvious need for them after James Conner leaves, and they're left with Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane, a couple of absolute stone scrubs. So Najee Harris, you know, a dynamic running back, comes in with elite draft capital. He was going as a fringe third, fourth round pick more often in the fourth round over these past couple of months of best ball. I mean, his ADP immediately to me jumps up to the second round, uh, potentially even the first round. I mean, I think that 300 touches as a rookie is squarely in his range of outcomes. Yeah, I think he could be one of seven to eight running backs that touch 300 touches in 2021, Mm -hmm. which obviously volume is king. Opportunity is king in fantasy football. That would make Najee Harris a pretty good pick in the second round. His ADP was, what, the fourth round in best ball? Absolute value. Yep. So I could definitely see that uh, pumping up to the second round, even the end of the first. God, we saw Clyde edwards helaire go as a 106 last year. I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility that Najee Harris is a first-round pick in you know, two or three weeks. And I, I think there's a good chance that happens because like I was just saying, people love rookies. See, I would be, I would be more willing to buy him though, because I do believe the volume will be there yes. um, in every aspect, both as a rusher and, you know, with a, a certain yeah. amount of targets, especially as big Ben continues to age and, and, you know, the arm gets a little bit weaker, becomes more noodly each and every week. Mm-hmm. I think that Harris could feed off of that. And, you know, it, it's been a while, right? You know, James Connor, Anthony McFarland, Benny Snell, they weren't those guys. But we've seen Big Ben be able to, you know, create an elite pass catching running back in the prime Le'Veon Bell uh, years, or or maybe not say create, but, uh, you know, supply enough volume in the passing game to make him, you know, an absolute top tier fantasy producer. Yeah, 100%. And I I think his ADP of second round will be will be fine for him. And like you mentioned, Big Ben has made running backs into elite fantasy players, Le'Veon Bell was elite. James Conner um, for his time was elite. And Najee Harris obviously should be elite in fantasy. For 2021, I just have concerns about the Steelers offensive line. They did address it. They drafted two offensive linemen, but obviously rookie offensive linemen um, transitioning into the NFL could be tough for the Steelers in terms of uh, their run offense, which ranked 31st in the NFL last year. Didn't like the pick when it happened, but I understand why they they picked Najee Harris. Uh, they, they needed a guy to help alleviate the offense so Big Ben doesn't have to throw it every single down. I'm just kind of worried about how efficient the Steelers offense will be due to the offensive line concerns, due to Big Ben being kind of withered at this point. 
and Najee Harris opportunity is king and he's going to see plenty of it so he's my RB1 in this class for 2021 but he is my RB3 for dynasty specifically because he is a 23 year old rookie running back so you said ETN would be two for you in dynasty Harris would be three who's number one number one Javante Williams for Dynasty. Uh, all right, well, let's talk about it. Javante Williams was the third pick in round two, went 35th overall to the Denver Broncos. What makes you so bullish about him? Yeah, so Javante Williams, 20 years old, so he's the youngest of the top three prospects. PFF has him ranked as their number one running back. They weren't alone in that take, by the way. Yeah, definitely weren't alone. And he produced the highest broken tackle rate that PFF has ever recorded in 2020. All of the reports that I've seen about Javante Williams just say that he's a complete running back. He can break tackles at a very high rate. He's just a great all-around purpose running back, and he's going into a great situation with Melvin Gordon as the presumed Broncos starter right now, but he's a free agent after this year, I believe, or the next year. Mike Boone, who was the RB2 RIP, Mike Boone, no longer. Javante Williams Mm -hmm. is the RB2 right now. Could surplant Melvin Gordon, who... I don't think is is that good in 2021 very easily this year. So for the for those reasons, he's my RB1 in dynasty just kind of because of his age and he's not that far off of Harris and Etienne and like you said a lot of people have ranked Williams above Harris and Etienne. So dynasty, he's my RB1 for redraft, he is my RB2. I think he can make an impact. Right away in Denver, Denver could also trade for a quarterback. That offense will be pretty fucking electric if they get a quarterback other than Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. So Yeah, I mean, that, that's the only thing holding them back because, God, their, their surrounding talent is absolutely elite. You yeah, know, Jerry elite. Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, and Javante Williams now is a guy who I think could have a Dalvin Cook-like, you know, entrance into the NFL. You know, the concerns with him were the lack of speed, but as many sharp people have pointed out, it's like how many times are you going to be just straight line dashing in the NFL? Like that's not what matters. The fact that he, you know, breaks tackles, like you said, at a historic rate, he's versatile. He can catch the ball. I mean, and you know, defenses aren't really going to be able to zone in on the run because of the quality of offensive pass catchers. So I don't know. I I agree with you. I think Javante Williams has a better outlook in 2021 than Travis Etienne, and and I would have it ranked the same way. I mean, I don't know if I'm putting him ahead of Harris and Dynasty. That seems highly bold to me, maybe a little suspect, but I agree that he's the number two behind Najee Harris uh, in terms of a 2021 projection. Najee Harris is just old as fuck. For a rookie running back, 23. Yeah. Javante Williams is 20. What, what's the age that running backs fall off a cliff in the NFL? 27, 28? Yeah. So you, you, you might get three to four great years of Najee Harris, whereas you could get five to six great years of Javante Williams. The Steelers offense is trending downward. The Broncos offense is trending upward. I think there's I think there's a case to be made that Javante mm. Williams is the RB1 in Dynasty. And honestly, I would probably put ETN above Harris too for Dynasty. Wow. Just the yeah. age is the biggest thing. Like he's a 23-year-old rookie right now and I I don't even know his birthday. He could be uh so he turned 23 in March. So he'll play the whole he'll play his whole rookie season as 23, but going into his sophomore season, he's going to be 24 years old. I mean, you're telling me that he he could be with the Steelers for his entire, you know, first 4 years and he'll end that right at the age of 27. I mean, 
I don't know. I, I don't hate that. You know, if they pick up his fifth year option, 28, and then he's just withered dust after that, but you yeah. get five <laughs> solid years with the Steelers, uh, you know, getting 250 to 300 carries per year. I mean, but it's more so know. the offensive environment with the Steelers, too. Like, like I mentioned I mean, before, elite wide receivers, they're going to have to replace a quarterback. So they're going to go through some quarterback turmoil. They have Dwayne Haskins as their backup, and they just gave Mason Rudolph another contract or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a terrible offensive line didn't do much to address it they addressed it in the third round after drafting a running back in the first round and a tight end in the second round yeah makes sense um (laughs) yeah I, I think there's some factors with the Steelers that everybody needs to consider that they are a declining team but Mike Tomlin is kind of a sharp coach so maybe he'll turn it around all right, let's move on and talk about the final of the four running backs that was taken over the first two days of the draft, and that was Trey Sermon, who went with the 88th pick to the 49ers. Now, he wasn't the only running back they added in the draft. They also went and got Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round, but you know they bring Trey Sermon into what's a pretty open backfield, in my opinion. You know, Raheem Mostert is a solid running back. He's nothing special, but he's definitely not bad. You know, Jeff Wilson Jr. Jr. definitely average as well. Trey Sermon is a guy who some people, I know Matt Waldman, one of the bigger guys in the in the drafting space, had as his RB1 in this class. And a lot of people were bullish on Trey Sermon. So, um, you know, how do you feel about Sermon and this landing spot? I think it's a fine landing spot. Kyle Shanahan is just notorious for using multiple running backs. He has done this throughout his entire coaching career. So, It's kind of hard for me to envision Sermon being a bell cow for the 49ers. I think how I would project it is he's going to be part of a three-man committee with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. And is he going to be the the pass-catching back? I I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I think he's the best pass-catcher of that group of those three. Yeah, but I yeah, obviously haven't watched uh, enough Trey Sermon tape to know if he's a good pass catcher or not. He had what, 12 catches last year for Ohio State at the running back position, but who knows, maybe Ohio State doesn't throw to running backs. Uh, we know a lot of it is based on college scheme um in terms of receptions that are running backs. So Yeah, and and you know Fields is just shooting it deep, right? And yeah. and or taking <laughs> off with it, so yeah, so I, I don't know. I just think it's a, a crowded situation for him. Does he have some redraft upside? I don't know. I mean, I, I think he has a lot of best ball upside. Yes, I wouldn't touch him ball. in straight redraft, but if you think about the way that the 49ers backfield has played out over the past couple of years, there have been a lot of situations where, you know, one guy would be the starter for a couple of weeks and you're getting like monster weeks out of Raheem Mostert every now and then. I mean, it's not consistent and it's definitely not redraft viable, but it's DFS viable, certainly, and it's best ball viable. Like, you know, would I be shocked if Trey Sermon had like 10 games this year where he scores under 10 points? Definitely not. But would I also not be surprised if he has two or three games where he puts up monster games, you know, two touchdowns, 100 plus yards? I could definitely see that. And like you said, you know, Shanahan, while he's notorious for using an RBBC, he's also notorious for having an elite scheme and Trey Sermon, by all reports, 
you know, fits into that zone scheme. And, and I think that, you know, he'll yeah. definitely have his moments as a rookie. So I'm not too upset with having, you know, about 15 or 18% Trey Sermon in that drafters tournament. I think that that was a solid value in the 14th, 15th round. And honestly, I don't think people are too bullish about this landing spot. So I think that he's going to remain a value unlike some of these other running backs that I think are just going to get, you know, pushed up a little bit too high. I mean, I, I agree. I think he's valuable in best ball still, especially if his ADP, doesn't adjust which I don't think it will in redraft probably not touching them um I think there would be four or five other running backs that I would take in redraft above Trey Sermon but yeah I mean he he's like you said if he gets a shot he'll probably have a big game or two but for the majority of the 2021 season he's not going to do much I don't think probably score seven or less points and most of his game so not a target for me personally in redraft best ball I'm fine with it but I think this was a pick for the Niners future not for 2021 I want to shout out real quick before we move on to the rest of these running backs a man uh, who goes by the name Dynasty Island on Twitter. And I'm just going to read this tweet that he posted earlier. I thought it was super interesting. Um, between 2010 and 2019, there have been 146 running backs drafted in day three. So, you know, rounds four through seven, the guys we're about to get to here. Out of those 146 players, 20 of them have gone uh, gone on to have top 24 seasons and 10 of them have gone on to have top 12 seasons. So, you know, if you break that down statistically, that is a 6.8% chance that one of these late round guys becomes a top 12 producer and a 13.7% chance that they become a top 24 producer. You know, looking at those numbers, the chances of these guys hitting are fairly slim, you know, under 15%, but it's not impossible. It's happened a couple of times over the last nine to 10 seasons. So who are some guys that piqued your interest that went in day three, rounds four through seven? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the main guy that everybody is going to target in fantasy this year and probably gets the biggest ADP boost is Michael Carter for mm -hmm. the Jets. They drafted him with the second pick in the fourth round, pick 107. The Jets running back room is pretty uninspiring. Without Michael Carter, it was Tevin Coleman, Michael P. Ryan and what Tyler Johnson, bunch of bums. They they needed to get a rookie running back, and they did with Michael Carter, um, who was Javante Williams' backfield mate at North Carolina. And I think it's a solid pick, and um, I expect him to be the day one starter for New York. He's a solid running back. His comparable um, player profiler is Devontae Freeman, which is a pretty solid comparison compared to some of the other running backs that we've talked about even before him. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to blow you away in terms of his athleticism, but he's a guy that averaged eight yards per carry last season at North Carolina, 1,200 yards, and he's a factor in the passing game. So if he becomes the Jets starter and gets volume, that can hopefully change the tide of the Jets offense. I think Michael Carter gets a huge ADP boost. I don't even know what his ADP was in drafters. It was what, 14th round? It was about 14th, 15th round, uh, going well behind Chubba, well behind Kenny Gainwell, well, uh, well behind Trey Sermon. So he definitely jumps tiers 100%. And, 
you, you can't say that he's not a winner. And like you said it perfectly, like Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, LaMichael P. Ryan, opportunity is king. And he definitely has the opportunity to, you know, leapfrog all of those guys. Yeah. I mean, they're all career either backups or just haven't really produced. So they're all uh, career bums. Career bums. Yeah. I mean, they are damn. They, they are not. Is good. Tevin Coleman a career bum? He's a bust from what his expectations were, for sure. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So Michael Carter, I think we both agree, has some opportunity. I'll be super interested to, uh, to see what his ADP becomes. If it's too high, I don't know. I mean, if 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 you have to take him in like the tenth round, I don't know if I'm, uh, if I'm willing to do that. Tenth. But if, it, if it's eleventh or twelfth, that might be a vibe. Ben, this man is going to go in the seventh round. No, I hope you know that. What? Yes. Seventh round. Yes. Oh, I'll have zero shares. I hope you know he is going to go above the 10-round mark. I don't know if it's going to be 7th or 8th. I just know it's going to be before the 10th. That's disgusting. He's not an 11th-round pick. I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. As a starting rookie running back or presumed starter, Fantasy Twitter loves rookies. I don't know how many times I have to say this. Rookies are their pride and joy. It doesn't matter. If they have any sort of chance of being a starter like Michael Carter does, who will most likely be the starter in New York. Like, let's be real. He's going to be a seventh or eighth round pick. I mean, he was the fifth highest drafted running back in the worst running back class in years. So, I mean, I don't know. If you're telling me people I aren't to looking take him at him in the like seventh that, or the though. eighth, then there's absolutely no shot I'll be taking him. Absolutely no people shot. People aren't looking at it like that, though. They're not looking at it through that lens. They're looking at it through, is he going to have opportunity? Is he going to be the starter? Check, check. All right, bet. Seventh round. <laughs> that's how they're looking at it. <laughs> that's oh, just a fact. That's and that's crazy. I don't know. I I, I truly think that you're not going to get Michael Carter in the 11th round. If, well, I could I mean, be wrong. If he's in the seventh, I won't be getting him either. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> How about how about the uh, the pair of guys that you know I think take a significant hit um, in, in Chuba Hubbard who you know goes to Carolina. That's a tough scene uh, being solidly behind Christian McCaffrey who's going to be playing ninety five percent of snaps minimum every single week, and then Kenny Gainwell who had gained a lot of traction but ended up falling pretty deep in the draft went with pick 150 to Philly and will obviously have to be contending with Miles Sanders, who's the presumed starter, um, and Jalen Hurts as well, who is a guy who is likely to siphon, you know, 8, 10, 12 rush attempts every single week. So Gainwell, Hubbard, uh, both guys that people were high on from a talent perspective, landing in pretty poor spots. Yeah, for sure. Definitely not going to target them in redraft, but obviously that's a couple months away. In best ball, though, I, I think they're zero RB targets. I mean, I've seen that probably a hundred times on Twitter, but just have to reiterate that if CMC goes down, which we saw him only play three games in 2020, if Miles Sanders goes down, who was injured in 2020, and then uh, Boston Scott got some run, but that Philadelphia Eagles running back room is very crowded like they just re-signed Jordan Jordan Howard they have Boston Scott Miles Sanders so Kenny Gainwell not really targeting him um Chubba Hubbard I though is interesting if CMC goes down that's when his value will explode but other than that I mean it's it's, it's really only the the five guys for for me at the running back position um the the top three then carter and trey sermon and everybody else is irrelevant 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 like ramondre stevenson for the patriots nah bro chubba hubbard nah kenny gainwell nah like they're gonna score what 50 hang on hang on hang on hang on the cincinnati Bengals 
use their sixth round pick on Captain America. <laughs> no shot, right? Bro, it says it right here. Chris Evans, Cincinnati, round six. Okay. Do you think that Cap, fresh off of, you know, fighting Thanos, is going to let Joe Mixon outproduce him? Absolutely no shot. What you're forgetting, Ben, is that Chris Evans is dead. Or at least he's like 90 years old. I don't know if you've watched The Falcon and Winter Soldier, but Chris Evans isn't Captain America anymore. Wow. Okay. Spoilers, man. Damn. What if, what if people hadn't seen him? <laughs> Dude sees Endgame like five years later, and now he's just dropping Marvel bombs on us. That's crazy. But <laughs> I mean, all jokes aside, you know, Chris Evans, though, enters a spot where he could have some value as a late round pick behind Joe Mixon, who should be, you know, a three down workhorse. But after that, they've got what? Samaje P. Ryan is the only other running back on that roster. I think Chris Evans has upside to be the RB2 in Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could definitely see captain america becoming the rb2 yeah samaj p ryan is is trash and joe mixon should be the the three down workhorse but i hear that every fucking year um (laughs) (laughs) so shout out to joe mixon i hate that motherfucker shout out shout out to joe mixon man um all right two two other guys there there are two guys left on this list that i want to hit on it running back one joins my favorite team, the Detroit Lions, Jamar Jefferson in the seventh round. Obviously, the likelihood of a seventh round running back hitting is pretty thin, but, you know, Jamar Jefferson could fill a role that the Lions need. You know, they need somebody to complement DeAndre Swift, and the Lions, you know, have improved their offensive line. They added Penny Sewell in the first round. Offensive line was maybe the strength of the team even before that, so I I like that. And, um, you know, they need somebody that's not Adrian Peterson to get some work. So I think Jamar Jefferson could find himself with a decent role in year one. Yeah. I mean, I think that he shouldn't leapfrog carry on Johnson who God RIP carry on Johnson. Cause that dude's a mm-hmm. stone scrub and he's like 23 years old. Yeah. And then the lines went out and signed Jamal Williams, but I feel like him and Deandre Swift are, are very similar. Although Deandre Swift is obviously a million times better, uh, but they're kind of like the same pass catching a running back so there is a role in that Lions offense that Jamar Jefferson could fulfill it's just all about will he leapfrog carry on Johnson and Jamal Williams on the depth chart as a seventh round rookie not putting it out of the realm of possibility but it will definitely be hard for him to do that Mm -hmm. final guy I want to bring up is a man that we were first put onto by Matt Hicks uh, aka the FF educator on Twitter who came on our show and educated us about all these guys a couple weeks back. And that's Javian Hawkins, who, you know, he had as a guy that he thought could make an immediate impact if he landed in a good spot. And he went undrafted, so that's, you know, not optimal. But we just saw last year James Robinson go undrafted and become an elite RB1 in fantasy. Now Javian Hawkins gets signed to the Falcons, who, you know, Mike Davis, clear-cut veteran winner with, um you know, the Falcons not diverting any draft capital to running back. But Javian Hawkins is a guy that, you know, I've been targeting, you know, I think I'm the only person in drafters who's been taking this guy in the 20th round. And I, I love the landing spot for him, honestly, with only Mike Davis to contend with in, in offense that should be absolutely elite this year. Yeah, I mean, 
think Javian Hawkins has some appeal as, as a deep sleeper. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, he should have a role as the RB2 in Atlanta behind Mike Davis. I don't know how big that role is going to be, but I, I think he could have some spike weeks. He wasn't really used in the passing game at Louisville. He only had 21 catches in three years, so I don't know his capability as a pass catcher, but I mean, he ran a 4-4 at his pro day. He's kind of small, though, so I don't think he's going to be an in-between-the-tackles in grinder. I think that that role will be for Mike Davis, and Hawkins could be the third down back or at least split third down uh, attempts with Mike Davis. But yeah, Mike Davis, I mean, clear-cut winner from the draft, I feel like. And I, I don't know if Hawkins is is a legit threat to become you know, the next James Robinson. I know I've seen that on Twitter quite a bit. I think you might have even said something about it. I mean, I disagree strongly. James Robinson all around was just a way better prospect coming out of college than Javian Hawkins in literally every single metric. We need we need to stop that right now. But he could have a role with the Falcons in an elite offense. I mean, I know I know Mike Davis was like DFS viable for like four weeks last year and then completely fell off and people kept playing him anyways. Um but yeah, I mean I don't know. Mike he was Davis, a good process my, pick, Ben. Okay. Mike Davis Mike Davis ain't it. <laughs> All right, I, I hate to break it to you. If you think Mike Davis is going to be in here getting 250, 300 touches for the Falcons, you're going to be in for a, a pretty big surprise come <laughs> 2021. So I think Javian Hawkins, the role is there for the taking. I mean, what else do they have? Brian Hill? Yeah. All right, bro. No shot. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know if Javian Hawkins is, is really that good or not. The statistics say that he's not going to be a good running back. The metrics, I should say, not the statistics. The metrics say that he is not going to be that good of a, of a running back for the NFL. Big metrics guy. Huge I mean, metrics well, I guy. I mean, what do you have for an undrafted, you know, free agent running back? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, All right. Well, give me your top five in terms of 2021 production. How do you see this going? Najee Harris, clear cut, number one, tier gap. Give me Javante Williams, too. ETN, three. Michael Carter, four. Trey Sermon, five. Michael Carter could be higher, though, because I, I think I think he could see the second most touches from this class. Harris is just clear-cut number one, though. Yeah, I mean, Harris is in a completely different tier, and then I agree with you, tier drop. Got Williams and ETN sort of in that next tier, tier two. I mean, I got Trey Sermon at four. Number five, is it Michael Carter? Absolutely not. It's Javian Hawkins. You already know the vibes. No shot Javian Hawkins is top five. <laughs> Just wait. Just no wait. shot. Absolute steal. Get him in all your dynasty drafts, I promise. All right. Here we go. <laughs> all right. That is going to be it for episode 139 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us at the DFS Dose. I am at Ben Hover. Joey is at Joey Carrion DFS. New episodes of the podcast drop every week on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and every other podcast platform on the internet. We will be back tomorrow with a new episode where we finish this discussion, go over the wide receivers and tight ends from the draft. If you guys like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel where we do live streams every Monday and have content coming out all the time. If you're listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Vibes.